0: Sure.
1: Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of lights, the show of Port A, the show of Angels Envy, Chimosabe Mescal, having a brief acting career and so much more with today's guest, Mr. Joseph Castillo, the Southwest VP of sales for Kimosabi Mescal, the official Mescal of South by Southwest 2018. In fact, there's gonna be a panel about the future of Mezcal that Joseph will be taking part of. And there's so much to talk about here. Joseph's had a really decorated career bringing such brilliant products like Angel's Envy and Fireball into Austin. It's hard to say if it's a good thing or bad thing, but the man has moved lots of products. And he's really introduced some fine spirits into the conversation of cocktails and hospitality in Texas. So we talk about this latest chapter, Kemosabe. I think it's the information lots of people are looking forward to hearing about. And it's a great discussion about the future of Mescal. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Joseph Castillo.
0: So we, we got to hang out, and there was amazing music. It was a slam. The people were super nice. Oh, of cool. course, we get out, and we talk to the taxi driver. Hey, best tacos. He takes us to the taco place, has tacos with us. I invite him to come in because we didn't know to get another taxi. Oh, I was like, man. kind of far out. Yeah, yeah. Well, am I like going to call an Uber? So I said, hey, can you just have tacos with us and then take us back to the hotel? He said, yeah. So he comes and tells us the whole story about Zacatecas and, and how it's becoming more of like a a touristy place now, and, and the background of it, it was just, it was awesome. So part of the whole story of quimacabi and and making mezcal as Zacatecas, it's an approved state to do it, right? You know, and that's what we're trying to promote. So anytime you see, even at San Antonio Cocktail Conference, anything that we're listed on mm. is quimacabi mezcal Zacatecas, Mexico. Yeah, you know, because it's not always gonna be Oaxaca. You know, and yeah. that was... Well,
1: you got nine states in total now. Lots yeah, of diversity of exactly. and flavor. And,
0: and that was the reason that in the direction we took with, or Jim and, uh, and Ashley Walsh, as the father yeah. and daughter uh, team, they didn't want to be... And, and it's not, want, not wanting to be, they just didn't want to be known as, you know, the 100% Smoky Walk and, Yeah. You know, they wanted to go do something different and kind of outside of the the normal realm of every, what everybody thinks. Right. So Zacatecas are like, Zacatecas, is that even a state to make mezcal? Like, yeah, it's totally <laughs> yeah. proves state. One of the oldest palenques is in Zacatecas. Yeah. So, and the fact that we're doing something different or bringing something different to the table with you know 60% steam, 40% wild agave you know that's right. smoked out of Zacate- uh, uh, Oaxaca and Durango, he wanted to build his own following right. and build that whole Zacatecas. And we work with the government uh, hand in hand uh, to help farmers, educate farmers. We donate about twenty five seedling, twenty five hundred seedlings a uh, a year, and work with twenty five different producers or farmers um, to sustain the the industry one, and and also to teach them how to do business and how to farm better. Right. And bring kind of people in, them educate them,
1: to, them. Yeah. How you know logistically talking about the process. Obviously, many of the reasons that you would produce in one state is because you would produce it, bottle it, and get it out of one state. Mm-hmm. You're working with multiple states here. Yeah. Where do you guys – what's the central location where you put all these pieces of art together? Where is that? In Zacatecas. In Zacatecas. Mm-hmm. So you're doing some cooking. You said there's there's steam and wild, and then that's from Oaxaca. So you guys bring that. Is Oaxaca's east of Zacatecas or is it west of Zacatecas? So it'd be – so Zacatecas
0: be right. is, is the, it's farther north. So Zacatecas okay. is, you know, maybe – it actually connects, almost connects to Tamaulipas. Oh, okay. So okay. It's, there's a small state in between that it connects. So let's say you're in South Padre Island, probably eight hours south. No kidding. If you could drive, obviously. Yeah, right. Can, right. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Um, and yeah, so it's really not that far. Oaxaca is kind of way down into Mexico. So Oaxaca yeah. is a lot farther north. I didn't know. So that a different place. region as well. You know, sure. uh, it's not it's close to the coast, but it still, you know, has mm. um, really rich espadine, uh, or there's even. Different styles of of, uh, agave plants that they grow down there. There's one called manzo that I tasted. Manzo? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And that was interesting
1: stuff. Salmiana's big down there, too. Like in San Luis Potosi. Salmiana, I think it's in San Luis Potosi. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, but it's cool because, you know, it's like a filmmaker going to a place that people haven't explored before. You guys are bringing this lens in and saying, you know what? We're going to highlight some different culture. We're going to highlight some different terroir, different flavors. So I commend you on that because that's not. One, it's not easy logistically to bring two different distillates together from two different locations, mm-hmm. and secondly, it's certainly not easy to do be the f- first well-known mezcal, if not the only really well-known mezcal. From
0: Zachary it's Pace. doing that, yeah, because yeah. there's, I mean, there's blends and there's ensembles and yeah. you know, Walagavis, But the the fact that we're the first company that's actually steaming it because steaming in, in mezcal has been happening since 1200s. Sure, sure. It's something. It's a proved way to make mezcal in the yeah. old, and we do the old, you know, uh, uh brick yeah exactly you know the old style ovens is Is it tile on
1: the bottom or is it brick like it's all clay oh it's all clay old old school clay pits where they heat uh, it from the bottom and it rises oh so that's different you guys aren't digging you actually have like a vessel no there's
0: actually um i guess a little oven or yeah yeah yeah. you know or or um,
1: no is that the or no is that what they call it yeah Yeah, exactly
0: Um, but it's all, you know, kind of like the clay pit. Yeah, cool. Uh, and that's what they use. Uh, there's different methods methods that they use. But it's an approved method to to steam. So the fact that we're steaming 60% and then we're going to Oaxaca, Durango, working with 25 different producers out of there, uh, and we're finding anything from Tobala, Madre Cuis, Pecuis, yeah. Mexico, it's never going to be the same. So that's harder. You oh, know? So you're getting... Well, yeah, guy's want it to different. be consistent, right? Exactly. Well, that's
1: weird because you guys want to grow a brand, and obviously, from a brand perspective, this isn't batch to batch, right? You guys want this product mm-hmm. that people can always can count on the flavor, no matter where they get it, exactly and where they get it. And so, that's also <laughs> difficult. And we'll talk about some of these production me- methods you guys mm-hmm. have used here in a second. But you know, you mentioned something a moment ago and said your dad and his family's from San Luis Potosi, so just yeah. adjacent, I guess, to Zacatecas. Yeah, right, right on the border. Any history or any connection deep? Back in your That's roots. That's actually a comescal. good question. Yeah. And I've
0: got to talk to uh, one of my aunts. She was a professor and did the whole family tree. Uh, my dad was actually born in the States, but he was uh, one of 14.
1: Oh, wow. And, oh, uh, so it's bound to, back someone bound place. to play with agave. Yeah,
0: the, yeah, exactly. The like Castillo Name, I'm almost certain that was yeah. one of the only things they could do back then, is,
1: you know, for spirit needs. Yeah. Right? So um, it may, in fact, be. In th- I'm going to find it now that you brought it up. I That's just haven't seen it. It's awesome. It's a realize, great story. You know? Yeah. And so. We're sipping the, the hoven, the kimosabi hoven, which is, you know, you've talked about some of the plants where it comes from, espadine, mm-hmm. obviously grabbing some other wild agave and stuff. What's the proof on this guy?
0: Uh, we're right at 83 here. 80, 86. Yes, yeah, so it's 43. 83
1: right? is the uh, reposado and then the. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, okay. Which I, I commend you on that too because it's punching it up just a little bit above 80 proof. Mm-hmm. You always get yeah. a little bit of better voice from Mezcal when it is above 40. You know, it's fine, yeah. but in my opinion, it sings just a little bit more strongly. Yeah, and off the still, right around 120. Oh, cool. So and That's normal. Yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely, depending on how much your reflex and all that mm-hmm. freaking science shit, which we could always talk about. But so yeah, the kibosabi
0: Hoven, um, 60% steam, like we talked about, uh, different ways and methods that we do that, and then um, that 40% is going to be that wild agave from Oaxaca-Durango, 25 different producers, yeah. and people always ask, why don't you list them? I said, well, we don't want to list... All
1: 25 producers. Well it's hard to it's you know, hard have a, a lot you of label space. We really have right?
0: exactly and then we really haven't like found, you know, maybe the top ten or the top five. Right. And we don't want to out a lot of these small producers because, you know, people can come in and try to take over or buy everything they have. I mean, with mm-hmm. the popularity of Mescal right now, you just kinda wanna keep it to yourself. Uh obviously spread it around and, and help everybody yeah. equally. Um, sustainability one.
1: Dude, uh, so I, I find this is my first time. I've been wanting we you know, we were talked in San Antonio last weekend. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about how that went for you guys. But I, I was like, dude, I have to try this stuff. And I finally tried it, and it has this sparkly, mineral, fruity quality that is not really present a lot. And no. It's, it's not rustic. you see up front. Yeah, dude, it's not rustic. This is a shiny, polished yeah. Pascal, And that's interesting to me, and I commend you on it because sometimes... You know, you get beat over the head with brands. You know this. You've been affiliated with a couple brands. Yeah, It's hard to, to sit back and say, like, no, I, you know, the juice. Everybody says the juice is good. But no, the juice is good here. And it's different. You're well, it's offering more something approachable. Different.
0: It's a different style. Um, and like I said, it's the very first uh, blend like this. It's been in, in mezcal. Yeah. So we took, a, we took a leap into something that hadn't been done. So, you know, in the mezcal industry, they're like, oh, it's not artisanal. Sure. And it's not 100% yeah. smoke. And it doesn't have to be 100% smoke. Man, We're just the first company that makes something more approachable.
1: Yeah. It's like a lingering kind of, I, I hate when people say stone fruit. So I'll say like peachiness to me. There's like this kind of cool. citrus
0: kind of lemon uh, at eight seconds. And then around 12 seconds is when I get that sweet achiote mm-hmm. kind of smokiness on the back end. And then it just kind of lingers. And part of that is the way we, we blend. So we blend the 40 with the 60, yep. 40% wild agave, 60% steam, and then we use uh, sound waves. So the Japanese method, mm-hmm. they started in the 1950s blending their whiskies. Right. We use actual sound waves uh, in the juice to break down the big molecules to smaller molecules because when you do that, in a lot of spirits, you taste them and they fall off immediately. Those are big molecules mm-hmm. bouncing off each other. When you break those down, they're smaller molecules so they stick together and your taste profile is going to last a lot longer. Yeah got legs on it It, it's got legs on it it, exactly and the thing is that that's not the whole reason why the blending or the whole blending process obviously blending spirits together is is an art in itself and and you know that yeah man uh and it's it's hard to keep it as consistent but i think the sound waves is actually something that keeps it together so i like
1: that i'm both intrigued and skeptical i like it right because you know, it's a it's a good marketing story, and it also has some scientific base too. So it's and I'm, that's so,
0: my owner says that Jim Wall says that a right. lot. He said a little bit of science, a little bit of artisanal, a little bit you know.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting one. So I you know I love the concept and technology as it converges with spirits and the production of spirits. Mm-hmm. I know some people may feel like, like you said that you know breaking the chain of tradition is just completely nonsense and just terribly insulting right exactly but i also am on the other side man it's like you do stuff like this you can really get some great things it's a game create. changer yeah What's well a game changer at least industry. it moves the needle forward right well, and i
0: think it opens up a lot more consumers to mescal yeah because i mean and i'm going to quote this from san antonio cocktail conference these are people that i never even met yeah uh, and i love marketing and i love quoting you know different sayings or what people think about our, our, our brands or any brand that i've ever launched and, and the saying was, and I heard it four times in three days. Yeah. I don't like mezcal, but I like kimasabi. Hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh, my
1: my um,
0: social media guy would just go crazy with it. He's
1: like, "Can't we start using that?" It's all the soundbite. You
0: know, um, so it's it's kind of the gateway or the more the most approachable yeah. out there. And it, but the thing is, it, it's I've launched a good amount of brands, and we'll get into that. But this one's different because it's the very first one. But it's hard. This is the hardest, but the most or the fastest growing spirit i've ever launched so it's yeah. like hard but i've seen the return immediately yeah, so true. but it's a liquid to lips yeah so it's me to you right now right, right. tasting the hovin and saying okay wow okay now i like this
1: yeah it's different man it's still that lingering fruit and it's it's interesting and i you yeah. know i don't like mescal and cocktails so i think mm-hmm. sipping it like this in it's kind of nude way Oh yeah, there's we're full. For people who can't see, we're filmed at a room of guitars or, no worries? It's just pretty rad. And I got like a bass and stuff. So eventually we'll jam out, depending on how much mascot we imbibe. Yeah, tap, It wouldn't be the first time. I guarantee. You. Yeah,
0: Sandra was uh, she was like, "Have fun, be safe. Have fun, <laughs> be, be safe. Be safe be yeah. Safe. <laughs> <laughs> Might leave the truck
1: here. I'm still gonna try to you know still try to hit the gym after this actually. So, yep. but this whole story as we talk about the Hoven, this young unaged thing, you your dad, you said family of fourteen. So <laughs> you said so. You've got a few siblings as well, though, yeah? Yeah,
0: I have an older brother, younger sister.
1: Okay, so so three total. And you guys grew up entirely in South Padre? Port Isabel, yeah. Port Isabel, South Padre specifically. Island, Texas, yeah. And your mom lived there. We talked about this. You guys went to the same high school. So how many generations in that town were you talking? So third generation. Third generation? Yeah. That's crazy. What is it Same like?
0: town, one street. <laughs> no <laughs> shit. Yeah, Highway 100. Oh, that's amazing. That connects my house to my high school to South Padre Islands, so. yeah
1: does it ever get because you seem like a guy that had his eyes on the prize had some aspirations living as a third generation son of a family that's lived in the same place for Mm -hmm. fucking three generations yeah how did you get the sparkle in your eye to leave and to do so obviously
0: people say why do you leave the you know resort my dad was a chef there he was a chef at resort for many years um and passed away when i was 14 but he always kind of taught us how to Work hard and respect, you know, and he yeah. was never really around because he worked a lot. Um, but it was that was that one thing that he didn't teach me how to throw football, but he taught me how to work and respect and and I've always had a job more useful. since I was like twelve. Yeah, I mean you that's the last year But working in have. a resort, I was a deckhead on sports fishing yachts. Yeah. So we caught Marlin every day. Wow. You know, and I was a deckhead, you know, all through every summer in junior high and high school, and then now I'm on the actual uh, fishing team, uh professional fishing team. We do tournaments
1: oh, wow. tournaments. Uh, would you, yeah. what'd your mom do?
0: Uh, my mom was an interior decorator contractor. And okay. She had flower shops with my grandmother back in the day.
1: Really? So I grew up
0: in a flower shop, so a little bit of art, a little bit of cooking, you know. Yes, man. That makes, uh, that makes for good Definitely business. sales. But yeah. yeah, no, I can I could put one hell of an arrangement together. <laughs> my <laughs> wife, my yeah. wife likes that. That's <laughs> a, and that's I'm not a shy talent. to say it. Yeah. Man,
1: I just, I'm going to get you an apron and see how you work right. with some tulips here. Now <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But so growing up in this place, what kinds of things were you naturally interested in? Because you've got the outdoors, you have some cooking, which is creative. Your mom's obviously got the visual aesthetic kind on of mm-hmm. lockdown. So for you, were you a math guy, science guy in school?
0: Uh no, not really. More of a business guy. Business. Sports, did the whole thing. Yeah. What sports you play? Uh baseball, baseball, football, surfed.
1: Surfed, yeah. Uh, surfed fish.
0: Never killed a deer, but I've killed a good amount of a Marlin. Man, just yeah. the same. Tournament. Size. Tournament, okay. Yeah. Okay. If anything else we catch and release.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. It's very, very ethical yeah. ethical of you to say. So the Eyes on college because you went to San Ed's. We actually both went to actually San
0: stopped at a couple spots before I got there. Did you? Uh, you go?
1: Got a couple scholarships
0: to play baseball and didn't want to do that and fell into the old small town, leaving your girlfriend in high school and you yeah. kind of stick around. So you I stuck didn't, made up that up mistake. But yeah. hey, if I didn't didn't make that mistake, and it wasn't a mistake.
1: You know, everything well, of course you, you a live reason. life. Yeah, you know? yeah,
0: and uh, hung out. Went to a local. Actually, their NCAA. Uh, UTPA. Walked down to the Winter League as a pinch runner, made it, and then didn't want to practice at 5.30 in the morning. I'd been playing baseball since I was four, and it was just, I was just burnt out.
1: How old is it now? 18, 19? I was, was 18, 18 then. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, walked down to this amazing school um, and, and, and made the Winter League, and just never, I just, I never, I never went back. I just, you yeah. know, I, I just didn't want to do it anymore. My ankle had a plate plate six screws, you know, yeah. and I was just like, 5.30 practices. And I just, I said, you know what? my mom said, yeah, do whatever you want, you know, just as long as you're happy. Yeah. So, um, semester there, went back home. Wanted to figure it all out. Went to UTB for a semester. Okay. Which uh, ones? UTB. Brownsville. Brownsville. Uh, yeah. Okay, Brownsville. UT Brownsville. So figured it out, and then uh, moved to San Antonio.
1: What brought you to San Antonio? It seems even though well, I was love getting it, out, it's out of the somewhere... valley, first step, right? So I went to San Antonio
0: and um, went to the ACC Community College there, yeah. uh, and, and racked every every semester. I rack up a couple hours and rack up a couple right. hours. So I was always in school. Um, and then my brother moved and we opened up uh, an erosion control land development company.
1: What is, to give me the, what's the so elevator pitch on this guy? before
0: like KB Homes comes in and like builds, yeah. we have to do all the land development and uh, get them up to code erosion control. I so see, okay. He was running a business like that in Houston. He moved down to San Antonio. He said, hey, let's do this. So we pulled some money out that we had saved and um, started this business. And then after a couple of years, uh, somebody bought us out. So I was wow. the long hair, big beard, you know, 21 year old that, had a company with his brother Were you in a metal band?
1: Is that what that No, was? <laughs> no, but I was just
0: that construction looking dude, yeah, you yeah. know? Um you got any tattoos? Yeah. I okay. got one on the back. I got See on the right. island when I was sixteen. That was the last one. That was it, okay. Yeah, that was it. Uh and um so we did that construction thing and then after that, I've always wanted to, I I mean we sold the company and i had like eight months left on my lace and what am I gonna do, right? We sold this company, I wanted to move to Austin, that was my next thing. But growing up in South Padre Island, going back to that, you're growing up on a resort. I mean, I did spring break since I was thirteen. Yeah. but I loved like the bartender thing and that always looked really cool. So sure. I was like, you know, I really want to do that. So I walked up to the bar eleven. It's a bar out of it used to be in San Antonio. It's not there anymore. It was actually owned by uh Nicola Hood. No, okay. Uh, I believe he's the DA over there, yeah. So walked in and I said, Hey man, i um, y'all looking for some help? They said, Well, right now we're only looking for a busser. I said, hm, I'll bus, whatever. Yeah. And I just want to be part of it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I bust for a month and then I barred back for two months and then I bartended the third or fourth month. And then I became assistant manager. So it's, it kept me around. It will keep me busy for those eight months. And then sure. when it came time to renew my lease or move to Austin, I said, well, I got a little bit of you know, experience under on. my belt. Yeah. And I said, I'm moving to Austin. I'm, I'm just going." So picked up and left and then walked into Cuba Libre.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Next to the draft house on the draft yeah, house was there. Exactly. We well, this this is a while ago now. This is two thousand four. Yeah,
0: dude. So that walked into Cuba Libra and Kristen Rowan, which owns um Nightcap now. yeah okay. We went to high school together in South Padre Island.
1: No way. Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah, wow, girl, we grew up together, yeah. Wow.
0: So I walk in and she's like, Okay, I'm gonna give you a chance. Usually, they make people wait two hours. So, yeah. they're only going to make make you wait because it was the most popular bar back then.
1: Sure, sure. You know, if I there was anything remember. craft around, there was that yeah, whole that sugar craft. straw. Remember that? Yeah, thing? The, yeah, the, yeah, the little
0: stick. Yeah, yeah. The sugar stick, sugar cane stick. So, she said, they're, they'll make you wait for 30 minutes, but you know, just hang out and um, they'll come get you. So, they come. He's like, we can you start tomorrow? I was like, yeah, cool. So, Bar Back there, I was like, Well, oh, bartending experience, are like, You're in Austin,
1: Texas. You, re- you realize that it's possible that you and I ran, each- ran into each other more than likely in the that was the only 2000s. nice bar back in the day. Yeah, that wasn't dude. anything around. Where well, we would go like stream. right after the movie, yeah, you know, you just go right next right door, there, have, have a mojito, mojito yeah. yeah,
0: oh yeah, you know, and then that's speakeasy true. was the same owner, Mark Michael Gerard. So, yeah. yeah, bar back there for about six months and then bartending, and then I was there for four and a half years actually. Wow, uh, all through college, so that's when I got back into college. Got it, uh, when. Going to night school. Didn't really get the full college experience, but went to night school and, and little by little and then finally graduated from uh, St. Edward's. But that bartended through it uh, and managed Cuba Libre at some point. So when I got out of school.
1: wait, so real quick. So when I think of so San Antonio makes sense, it's like the first logical step, I guess, even geographically outside of the valley, you know, yeah. but Austin's great, but you did have, there's Dallas on the radar and there's Houston too. So what what was it about Austin that drove so you? So when I
0: was in San Antonio and I left this thing out, I had an agent. I was doing little gigs. You know, what kind stock of gigs? photography, uh, anything I could get. You were, I came out in a Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller movie. I like hit on her on the desk. What? So yeah. you had an acting career? Yeah, I did small, very small.
1: Well, yeah, but still, well, you're 5'6 for most of Yeah, so exactly. Five, eight, but see, like career. Hispanics are barely coming
0: out in any kind of stock stuff. Dude. So there was this company called Somos. That only concentrate on Hispanic photography. No, so heck. like I sold my soul. You know, you get paid five hundred bucks, eight hundred bucks here, but they could like do whatever they want. Till this day, one of my buddies lives in Playa, and he walked in this cell phone store, and I'm like, on the whole back wall billboard,
1: holy on crap. like a cell phone, <laughs> like he's like, bro, you're on the back wall. So <laughs> did you what? Did you go back and watch any of the clips ever? People, no, I never saw the movie. Do uh, people watch these things? Did they know I don't know. About yeah, I've never seen it. My buddies bought it because it was on, like, discount. Oh, my god! They're like, dude, we got
0: a surprise for you. Uh, no, actually, I did see it the one time. And then after that, okay, cool, turn it off, throw, throw it to the side.
1: So, you you know, this is kind of interesting. Maybe people know this, maybe they don't. But there is a certifiable movie with you hitting on Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. It?
0: It was, what, what was it called? What movie Revolver? was that? Is it Revolver?
1: I don't know. Dude, I'm, well, I'm going to figure I'm going to find it. You yeah, have an IMDb it. credit? Do what? Do you have an IMDb credit? I don't know. I don't know. But you they should. picked
0: me out of a group. They're like, you know, you're going to be the one. hitting on. So I go nudge her and kind of yeah, try to yeah. dance with her. And she looks at me and walks away.
1: You know? This is are... crazy, So man. remember, I
0: mean... um, oh, God, what was that bar that's at, where, um, on East on 5th Street? Oh, what is it
1: now? Oh, there's so many. Back, back, back when Cuba the Libre
0: was there, it was like the club.
1: There's a whiskey bar. And there's Red next Fez. Red Fez next to it? So no, farther on the other block. Oh, dude, I can't remember. Either it's way. It's been so long. Um, yeah.
0: What's the cocktail bar there
1: right now? On Fifth Street, yeah, Roosevelt Room.
0: Yeah, so it's where Roosevelt used to.
1: Be. Oh, the Madison? That was not no, it was, it was called. before the Madison, dude. I can't remember. So what whatever was, that was, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was the
0: theme that they, they like. They did it at that club. Oh, way. I see. Okay, okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So, so, so you yeah, I did that in San Austin. Antonio. Yeah. yeah, it was with um, Condra Artista and had an agency. So the whole thing coming to Austin was like, hey, that's where everybody's doing got acting, okay. and I got some small gigs with some of Robert's films, Robert Rodriguez, yeah. standing in oh, yeah. Machete stuff like that no shit yeah um that was like the real the first real movie experience for me because uh they brought caviar around what the hell is that they're like giving it they're like break and yeah. they like bring somebody comes out the trade with caviar i was like this is awesome you know Dude. um so yeah that living was the a, life before you're living the right? life <laughs> it's a small little career obviously it wasn't paying the bill so i had to not take so many um tryouts or interviews right, right. or whatever and, and work more and was bartending, going to school at night, and all that stuff. Uh, and
1: you finished up with a business, real estate. Business, this, yeah. Yeah. At Saint Edwards.
0: so I graduate. I, you know, it's what nine oh nine, and I go into real estate. Well, that's why, The reason I quit the bar is because I met my wife.
1: Did you meet her at the bar?
0: Yeah. No, actually, I was. Um, I had two jobs then. I was working forty hours a week at the Triangle. I was one of their oh, leasing, yeah. leasing managers there. No Yeah. Man. And she moved in the triangle, and she had another agent, but that agent was off. So I took the file and, like, introduced myself. And I was like, let me get your info really quick. And she says, 956. I'm like, oh, done. That's the Valley area. Yeah, man. I was like, where are you from? She's like, McKenna. I was like, you know Joe Simpson? She said, yeah. I said, that's my best friend. We worked in together. She's like, that's my cousin.
1: Oh, my god! Like, no
0: way. So, yeah, we were just kind of, like, friends because we knew. The Valley connection is huge. Yeah. So... um yeah, we were friends for a while, and then you know, months later, we ran into each other and, and found out that she had broke up with her boyfriend, and I had broke up with my girlfriend, and, and was like, "Hey, well, let's hang out, let's wow. be single and hang out." And then we just kept hanging, hanging out, and here we are, ten years later. But uh, Damn, that's so hard. I quit the bar industry because I had a girlfriend, and, and I had a forty-hour job and a thirty-hour job, so yeah. I'm working seventy hours a week. No, and I had a day. Not and much left off. for her. Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, I was like, that sucks." And she has a boyfriend; and she can't see. So, <laughs> uh left the bar, and um and was in, so in that, that that time I. I'm in real estate at the same time. Uh, and then after I got out of school, I got in a little bit of commercial real estate for a couple of years, was doing that. And then somebody, um, Kirk Peters, you know, Kirk, you I don't know sure Kirk. The Jack Daniels portfolio of it. At Republic. Brown, yeah. He worked for, he, he's the one that launched Rebecca Creek and all that. Oh, okay. So a buddy of mine calls me and he says, Hey man, um looking for a job. Do You know, anybody that's looking for jobs in the industry. And he actually owns Taco Flat, Simon Madera. And uh, I was like, yeah, let me text some people. So I text some people. And then they they come back with this, like, opportunity to work for this small company called Inky Brands. So I didn't text my buddy back. I texted him. I was like, hey, I'm kind of interested in that. <laughs> you know? So, uh, and he's fine with it. We talk about it all the time. He's got a restaurant, very yeah. successful restaurant, whatever. And um, it was Inky Brands, and they were doing, like, the
1: worst brands ever. Um, and they're, Lardo they're, they're, Tequila? I saw that. I don't even know what brand that was. So,
0: no, Inky Brands we did, Kilo, uh, Kim. What was it? Kilo Kai.
1: Kilo Kai, okay.
0: Kilo Kai, Wodka, Vodka, and then we were revamping Don Eduardo for Braun Foreman.
1: There we go, okay.
0: So that was a hard, that was like me going into the liquor industry without any like prior sales experience in liquor. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah. Once a salesman, all a salesman, right? So, um, the acting yeah a little brand. helps too. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you, you gotta have balls to go and present something nobody wants, right? That's right. So uh, we had the Kilo Kai and like Beth Runnels and I, you know, we were doing that all over Sixth Street and she was the DM over at a uh, Republic, then and then the Wodka vodka, we got in all the Yacine bars, so mm. like that's doing all right. Uh, and then the Don Eduardo thing was hard because that was my first like sales experience in agave spirits. Yeah, that was tough because you're at $33, same price point as Don Julio and Patron. So I'm walking into bars and talking to my buddies, like I knew everybody in the industry, right? Because I ran Cuba Libre, and right, right. it's a big you know camaraderie thing, so I'm, I'm like slanging and banging where I could. And uh, I come in with this Don Eduardo, they're like, Joe, I mean, Don, Don Julio, Patron. Price point, yeah. what are you doing that you know that they're not, or are you on commercials and videos or music videos? What are you doing? I yeah. said, well, we're not doing any of that. And then they're like, Well, you know, it's gonna be a tough, tough sell. And I was like, Well, my father in law is one of the biggest grapefruit growers in South Texas, so um, I called him one day and I said, Hey man, I need some help. And he's like, What do you need? I was like, I need 25 cases of grapefruit. He's like, What the hell, <laughs> what for? I said, Well, it's been really hard trying to get this tequila and in some of these bars, and I felt that if I give him a case of grapefruit. You know, in a, in a grapefruit press, right. they'll, they'll make their fresh Palomas. Yeah, yeah. This is back in 2010. And um, so he was like, cool, well, come to the factory and uh, pick them up. So I next day I drive down there, pick up, fill my truck up. Yeah. You know, there's cases in the front seat and the back seat, and the whole truck's
1: like. It's like a Beverly Hillbillies thing. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. It, so
0: I come in town, and I'm like, yeah, i get you the, the press. I got the grapefruit, whatever. And everybody's like, dude, that's an amazing idea. Yeah, I'll pick up two cases. You had to pick up two cases. Right. So there I am walking on 6th Street with like cases, a case on each shoulder slanging grapefruit just so i could sell my tequila and people t- to this day make fun of me they're like "Dude, remember when you were slanging grapefruit i was like hey man i wasn't if, selling
1: grapefruit ass did anybody try to buy grapefruit from you and they thought you had a produce <laughs> it was like dude? a million to yeah, one yeah. so they're like
0: remember you used to slang grapefruit i was like no man it was an incentive to pick up my tequila no we so,
1: know times got tough and you were on the side of the street <laughs> exactly. of the <laughs> so, so
0: and, and people still make fun of me about it i was like but i thought i thought outside the box yeah. it worked yeah, yeah you know and we got up to like 50 60 cases just in the austin market for you know any little brand that's yeah. that's a
1: lot that's amazing um
0: so yeah that was like my little story getting into the industry and then after we kind of spun that off um for brown foreman then uh we started we uh signed the partnership with the with the hendersons
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and that's when lincoln had 65 years uh, mandatory retirement so he was already gone from woodford reserve for about three or four years already yeah his son was in uh west was in i think insurance
1: yeah yeah he was and
0: he came to his dad and he said dad let's um let's do some of those projects you always wanted to do that, that they didn't let you do over at Brown Foreman. And he's like, oh, well, you know, okay. Which one do you want to do? He's like, well, I've always wanted port wine finished bourbon. They do it with scotch. They do yeah. a lot of different things. So I said, well, let's do it. So they uh, signed with Inky Brands and which is now Mahalo and uh, got some investors and we launched the very first port wine finished bourbon.
1: That's crazy. And that
0: reminds me a lot of launching Kimosabi now because back then bourbon wasn't as hot. Yeah. And launching a port wine finished bourbon is something different, just like Kimo Right, right. So you're launching something different, but you kind of had something better than the other guys because it was port wine finished. So people call it the cheater bourbon or the, the ladies bourbon rubbish, yeah, just because, good. you know, and I said, hey, it's good. And Taste even good guys are like, good, man. I can do this. I can't do the other spicy, yeah. you know, really hot ones, but I love this, you know. And that's kind of how we, it was a liquid to lips thing. We got yeah. people on bourbon through Angel's Envy. And worked for them for two years, and I essentially learned everything I know about bourbon
1: from uh, Lincoln Henderson. That's amazing. And that was like... What kind of guy... I've, I've interviewed Wes, and Wes is a really great guy. How was Lincoln? What kind of guy was he?
0: Straightforward, and he would joke, but you never knew he was joking because everybody took him so serious. Yeah, yeah. You know, one time we were doing an interview. Mariah Freeze interviewed a bunch of bourbon distillers, and that's when she had opened up Trifecta, and she interviewed him. It was like 1030 in the morning. We're all like doing the interview and setting it up or whatever, and he's talking about his story and how he he'd actually created don eduardo was one of the guys that started that. With don eduardo through barn brown forming yeah you know, it was yeah. one of his projects and um he was talking about how he d- aged different bur- barrels and wine barrels and then he throws in their pickle barrels and we're like what, what, <laughs> what, what, you just say pickle barrels like you can't say that we're recording <laughs> but he was joking but nobody knew it they're like
1: pickle oh barrels you know it,
0: so he's that kind of guy where he shot it straight and then when you joke you didn't know if he was joking or not yeah um, so it was funny that night we take him to dinner at at Haddington's that's in Bill Norris
1: just oh a, man that's a long time and ago. They, were, they
0: were our partners they're like yeah they brought us in and then Bill Norris is a super good friend of ours whatever uh, I had worked with him on Cabana Cachasa which was another brand that mm-hmm. Mickey Brands had um, so that was like the first account we had so we take Lincoln to dinner there and Lincoln was 9.30 guy if he's not in his hotel room by 9.30 he's falling asleep somewhere gotcha. you know, he's just an older guy and yeah, he sure. wakes up like 4 or 5 in the morning not falling asleep but that you know he had to be back at 9.30 right. and that was his thing so we're sitting down, we're having dinner, and then he gets up, and somebody, I guess was going to the restroom, so I'm kind of looking out for him and looking out for him. They're like, Joe, where'd Lincoln go? I was like, shoot, let me go check the restroom, make sure he's okay. And he was fine. He, was, yeah. you know, he moved around, and he had his little cocktails, and he went in the restroom. I'm like, oh, crap, where'd he go? I look back at the bar, and he's got two girls in each arm, one in each arm, <laughs> brunette and blonde. And he's like, you know, I make that. I made
1: that oh, it's, And oh. these girls
0: are just, they're taking Love They're it, loving yeah. it. He's buying them cocktails. I take a picture of him, he's like, well, girls gotta go. So then he comes and eats dinner. He was just one of those guys, yeah. you know, people person. But he loved the women and yeah. he loved the fame. And uh, I mean, he was an artist. Yeah, you know, that's uh, I, lo-
1: I love that because I never had the chance. He and Parker Beam, right? I've asked people that knew Parker pretty well. Yeah, and it, I just love hearing about these guys because you know what? When we're gone, when you and I are gone, all we're gonna have are the stories that people tell about us. Exactly, it. and that's really the kind of legacy you want to yeah. lead. And so it's it's interesting. I'm starting to see this kind of thread right so you bring in this tequila you're trying to make it work you're bringing in this new whiskey that's i mean it's delicious whiskey but it's different it's
0: amazing right? but it was different so yeah. people didn't just like our mezcal's new and it's different people didn't accept it in the beginning because right. it was new and different and then so many years later it's
1: sometimes it just it's at that point it becomes okay and people don't feel like they're going to get judged for it but you gotta, it's a limit. liquid lips thing you got to yeah. convince them that they like it right you know, you know it's it, sometimes though too it's weird because they have to make sure it's okay that they like it it's a weird psychology thing with spirits. Like if they think that people are going to judge them for liking it, they won't like it on purpose, even if yeah. they do like it. Yeah. So then this whole thing, and kind of where we were, I met you, you were doing VP work, VP VPS sales, I think sales with, with, with Trudy yeah. Oak. Yeah, so why go from global brand to hyper local brand?
0: Well, there was a stop in between there. So I was at Angel's Envy, and yeah. you know we are at all the high-end restaurants and hotels and you know, we're doing the whole Angels Envy thing, and it was amazing. I love working for the company, but uh, I got a phone call, and there was somebody looking t- uh, for somebody to launch Fireball.
1: <laughs> oh, so, that's right! I forget you work for. I, and I too. remember
0: exactly the time right before the. So happened. it's
1: your fault, is it? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I launched Fireball.
0: Um, but I remember seeing the Twins commercial, and they're like Fireball, fourteen ninety nine. I was like, That's not even a real bourbon. Yeah. F that stuff! I don't know why they're putting it on TV. Angels Envy's a real, bourbon. you know, right, you live right. what you do, right? And that's what I do. Anything that I do, I wake up kimosabi every day. I wake yeah. up, you know, whatever I do, I wake up and I live it to the fullest. And uh, so I was all pissed off because like, what's this crap that they're putting on there? Little did I know, six months later I was going to be working for them. Right. Oh, so I man. leave Angels Envy, and they're like, it's a real good family thing because I was I was one of the first ten people they hired. Yeah. And they're like, well, we understand Sazerac's a big company, you know, and it, it, that's a good move. It's a yeah. good career move, right? So at that point, I was launched Angels Envy. I was like, yeah, I can do this fireball thing. So I, I launched fireball, and it wasn't easy. Barbell's tough, man, because Jaeger was just a monster out there. So what we had to do is we had to buy the bartenders first. We had to get their respect, gain their respect, and we got it into 6th Street. And the first time I got it in there, owners were like, man, it's just sitting there kind of collecting dust. And I said, well, dude, I'm not going to stop coming back. I was like, I'm sending girls in here. We're doing promos every weekend. It's just going to keep happening. And then, excuse me, I told my wife when I was about to take this job, I was like, babe, this is going to be tough. It's going to be like a year of going out, hanging out with bartenders so 3 or 4 in the morning, the night going to these little yeah. after parties and, and just doing everything that I can to get this brand out there. And Austin was one of the official launches with um, Nashville in California. Mm. And so that's what I was doing. I was out bartenders. And a lot of these bartenders, bar managers, are old buddies of mine. So yeah. reintroducing something different to them and got them on board. Once you got the bartender on board, because I told them, I said, look, you get five girls in here, every, every single one of them wants a different shot, and every single one of them has you know, just a plus three or plus four. Corsals, you're doing all this stuff, making a mess for, what, a $2 shot? I said, five girls come in here pouring five fireballs, and if they don't like it, I'll pay for them. I told every single
1: bartender. I said,
0: I'll have a tab, start me a tab. I'll come pay for it the next night, whatever. Nobody ever called. (laughs) And they just started pouring fireball and just, try this, and if you don't like it, we'll pay for it. And that's what they did. 10, 20 shots at a time.
1: I mean, it's it's an interesting way to look at it. It's like, I can make your life easier logistically. Yeah, I can make you more money.
0: I told the bartender, I said, I can make you more money. I said, pour 10 shots in two seconds or... Take 30 minutes making the crap that they want. Yeah. You know, the woo woos. That's an
1: interesting way to look at it. Is yeah. that it's just, it's just simpler times with Fireball. Yeah. Right? It was so crazy.
0: Oh, God, the calories. But, uh,
1: oh, well, oh, I probably took 1,500 shots. Really? Yeah. That, 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 does that account for like three the, years? It aged you. Three, three years. Three <laughs> <yeah>. years. <more. laughs> you just so, left. yeah, the
0: first year, it takes about a year and a half to launch this thing. And then we're doing like 3,800 cases a month yeah. just out of Austin. Wow. You know, running the Texas market. And, and that was a success. And it wasn't just like the bartenders on 6th Street. I mean, I was dropping cases off at the back of fraternity houses. Yeah, oh yeah. Just because we couldn't give it to them directly because they're like, oh, we have a cop at the door. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to get involved with that. Right. There's going to be underage drinking here. I'm not doing it. So you know, off the record, yeah, I'd be like, look, I'll call you when I'm in the alley. I'm going to drop these cases. You come you, out and run. You and take game. them or not. You I'm take them or not. I don't know. I just, I dumped them. So <laughs> I'd call them and I'd take off and then you'd see them like, Come in the alley, grab their cases, and then <laughs> then they had fireballs. Yeah. They were the coolest party ever because they had ten cases of fireballs. So now these kids are asking for the bartender to give it to them, and the bartender's already wanting to give it to them. So it just made a connection. Yeah, and it was like the college kids, and that's what started it all. When when my mom was like, "Ooh, I like fireball," I was like, "Okay, we finally made it." My mom has a fireball bottle in her freezer.
1: Dude, I mean that's got to feel pretty good to to do that to have that kind of movement because you. It thought was awesome because
0: you said because well, well, the thing that I like about it is. They gave you something that's not in the market yet, and yeah. then you'd launch it. And, and it wasn't just me. We had an amazing team, Beth Runnels, and all of our reps, Zach Goldman. We had an amazing, amazing team on 6th Street back then, and just being part of it. You know, yeah. you can always talk about it say I did that.
1: That's so cool. You know, and we were part of it. I didn't realize. I mean, in a way, I'm I'm happy for you, and I think it's a terrible thing. That <laughs> yeah, <I> was
0: unfortunate <laughs> launch, right? And so, and then after that, you. then they give us okay, far, uh, Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace is more right, of a retail brand. Yeah, yeah. So then That's I'm now on right. the back of the bourbon. Yeah, and Buffalo Trace then was more of a retail brand. They said, let's get this into the on premise. So. Mm-hmm. Then we start getting in wells, and then you know I become the Buffalo Trace guy with the fireball. So I got fireball for like certain accounts, and then Buffalo Trace for the others. And then you're they high gave and us, low, yeah, exactly. You know, you're at the bottom <laughs> of the barrel and That's the top. Right. Uh, so I'm at the Four Seasons at happy hour, you know, and during the day I'm on Sixth Street at Dirty <laughs> Doctor
1: Jekyll, Mister exactly. sure.
0: exactly. So they gave me fire, uh, Buffalo Trace that so like we need to launch this in the on premise, and even like Blanton's, W.O. Weller, yeah. uh, Sazerac, Rye, like none of these were really on premise brands yet. So this was I would do tastings at the Four Seasons with Jim Lee, and they'd be girls passing around Blantons free, man. You know you can't even, you can't find even that get anymore. a bottle. Yeah, out, but right? we were promoting it like it was the great bourbon bars of America's Buffalo Trace, W. O. Weller, uh, Blantons, and Eagle Rare. Oh yeah,
1: we were promoting
0: these things right. So that was like that was really cool because I really got to dig deep into the bourbon portfolio, and we'd go to the distillery two or three times a year. Yeah. I'd take people um, like Larry Pedito from from Moonshine up to pick barrels uh for for his big bourbon collection yeah, that he has and so cool. anytime we get to go to the distillery we'd get to taste every single bourbon they made you know but you spit some and then sure, once we got sure. to like eagle rare and Blanton's, we swallow yeah. them, and then you know you get into the antique collection you taste every single antique oh well, maybe a little bit more yeah, of this wl yeah. weller or Weller, the the Larue or the eagle Rare 17 year pappy yeah. 20 it was so amazing so that was a really cool part of the career where my career was working with uh with the guys over at Sazerac. And it was a very small company when I started. I was one of the first 50 people that they, this new sector of their company that they hired to do the whole fireball and buffalo tracing and yeah. all that. So after wow. that, on my third year, I'm like, okay, cool. This is done. It's you know, smooth coasting. You know, loved my job. Loved mm-hmm. the people I was working with. I was like, I need a challenge. So um, after three years, essentially we were running out of buffalo tracing. and fireballs just coming right, out of yeah. everybody's
1: ears. You don't even have to work hard for that. No,
0: anymore. no. And we worked with the Firefly guys as well we okay, launched firefly yeah. sweet Tea vodka and then they that. had a moonshine we launched that um so then at that point i saw daniel barnes he'd come up the front page of one of the papers with his new distillery yeah uh
1: and i knew there were always the, a real the new sm- one and the new location yeah, yeah the new
0: and the new location and they were trying to do like change the face of treaty oak and kind of do a whole revamp so i shot him a message i was like hey man i really like what you're doing i've always liked what you're doing um give me a holler you know i'd love to I'd love to sit down and talk so mm. we did and two weeks later it was about a month later we negotiated and i uh, became their vp of sales that's came on crazy. as a vp of sales that's a massive of,
1: portfolio of stuff. And, oh
0: yeah so if i had not already sold most of the stuff i mean from waterloo gin to starlight vodka Treaty yeah. oak rum Age gin Age rum red-handed bourbon right. you know uh and then we launched the Treaty oak experimental which mint. was
1: the, to be honest like that was the first whiskey that made me pay attention to texas whiskey experimental I love, yeah i mean i I've, I've had them all and they're god bless them for trying to do it in texas man yeah. but that was the first one i'm like okay this is real now we're making that's the reason progress. i came to the company that, that whiskey because
0: yeah because i had the bourbon background and i really yeah. i love what, what they were doing i, I love the popular bourbon it was coming up and i love the red-handed story because they essentially called themselves out
1: yeah yeah handed, I mean,
0: it's not mine we bought it made it better
1: no it's fine it's kitchen stuff yeah. but like but that was the moment where I realize because I always found, you know, gin is a means to an end, so is vodka. Mm-hmm. People aren't always passionate about those categories. It's hard to be passionate about vodka, given it's just neutral na- nature in itself. And Daniel's right? passionate about it. No, which is, which is <laughs> fine. But I mean, in a lot of ways, or in a lot of people in the industry, it's not. But he's a whiskey guy.
0: He's a whiskey. Well, so, you got to pay the bills, right? So that's, that's why he's Exactly he made it. right.
1: But that was the first time where I was like, okay, I can taste the love here. Uh-huh. That was you know what I mean? It was, it was an eye-opening moment for me. It
0: did not come out, it didn't come out until 10 years in the exactly, business. Exactly. Yeah. So his story was started making some rum, him and his father-in-law. Yeah. And um I think he, I think the reason he made rum is because his wife likes rum. So when he comes yeah. to his wife say, Hey, I'm gonna become a distillery, I'm gonna open up a distillery. What are you making rum, baby? I got you some
1: rum. You know? That's great. <laughs> so yeah. Easier proposition for exactly, sure. Exactly, yeah. right?
0: But and I always tell the story uh is when you become a distiller and you want to do, make bourbon, it's going to take a couple of years to get good product. Yeah, oh yeah. So if you come to your wife and say, hey, I'm going to open up a distillery, but I'm not going to make any money for two years, she's probably going to be sticking around for a while. Yeah, so oh yeah. The good thing is that Daniel had a couple other companies in the medical fields that, that he was running, which kind of supplemented his dream to yeah. have his own distillery. And he did that. And he did rum and did gin, amazing gin, mm-hmm. won a, a crazy amount of awards with Waterloo. And he started doing these clear spirits to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, and then they got into the vodka. But the vodka they bought, they bought corn and winter wheat, and they blended it. So it was a creamier style vodka. Even that was somewhat craft. It's pretty crafty. Yeah. Um, but this whole time he's making his rum, he's aging it. in all-American white oak charred, Independence Day, barrels chart number four. Rum's coming out really good. They were the, one of the first companies to age their gin. Mm. They go to TTB and TTB, and you know TTB, yeah. you know, with oh, your yeah. brand. Uh, they said, hey, we're going to have this gin, and we're, we're going to call it Aged Gin. No, you can't do that. Yeah. I said, why not? <laughs> they didn't give him an excuse. They said, you just No, of can't. course not. Yeah, like you said, should, but yeah. but you can call it antique. Okay, cool. We'll take antique. Yeah. Antique kind of sounds like sounds a little higher. It's a little end. fancier anyway. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So they'd run with the antique and, and and that's still I just saw it on the news today, uh, Studio 512. But uh, so they do that this whole time, um, they're right next to uh, Edelbert's mm-hmm. and they go to Edelbert's and they're like, Hey, we'll let you use some of our used barrels and trade for y'all making some mash for us because they didn't have the whole brewery system to right, create right. their own mash. So they went and they single handedly with them um, created their own mash, which is mashable number one Tradioak Oak Experimental Whiskey. So then they got that, aged it. When they moved in the new distillery, it was right in barrels for a year or so. And uh, they just released their five year. Oh killer. One. So but that's the experimental that you tried, the very first one that came out, that was a three three year, I believe it was a fifty-four corn, twenty nine uh, some barley too, right? and 17 wheat yeah which is there's really so cool. a really good mash bill and it was the first bourbon that i tasted that i respected yeah, in texas and, right. and, and there's a lot of good bourbons out there but be, coming from Sazerac, i'm like i'm just not gonna go work anywhere i you mean know, i yeah. really so when we had our interview he tasted me on and i was like where do i sign this is some good stuff yeah. And that was it was only a year old then yeah you know so the two or i was there like, almost three years i just saw it all growing you know what i mean we're pulling and we're doing different I mean they're always doing something different. They probably right. have like fifteen different experiments.
1: Yeah, going it's on right crazy. Now. It's kinda of like St. George. Reminds me of the yeah. back, back process. So
0: and the history behind the rum and the oldest sugar mill in Texas that they buy their molasses from. I mean, everything they do is they tell you about
1: it. It's yeah. it's, it's, so it's a bottom. very rich you know, you got a lot of different colors, literally and figuratively, creatively. How hard was it to move on? So relaunching them,
0: um, and it was a, not a relaunch, more like a revamp, the company. It was more around the big distillery. Yeah. You know, we, that was like the focal point. But it was also getting the vodka out again and, and getting bringing the rum out again. But it's hard when you're dealing with nine different spirits. Yeah, man. You're in every single category but agave. Right. Um, so there's certain areas where the rum worked. There's certain areas. of the, I mean, I'd have vodka days. I had whiskey days. And I had two bags of booze when I go to meetings, yeah. you know. Um, and in programming, these things, our reps are like, God, you're all on program again. I was like, yeah, I got nine brands. We got to sell them all. Yeah. But everything grew after the first year was tough. The second year we were up about 75%, you know? And then this last year, right before I left they were they were up 125.
1: That's great. So
0: big, their biggest year. So right before I left, I created like a playbook. It's like 20 pages. I said, Daniel, everything's here. Like yeah. everything y'all need to do. Contacts. Everything's there. And I probably talked to his partner, Nate, uh, once a month. Yeah. And he'd call me, "Hey, what 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 happened here?" And or I check in, "Hey," because essentially they're still your clients, you know. So I don't want to drop the ball anywhere, right? You know, he was like, Joe. Well, you set this up with me, and now it's not happening. And I was like, "No, no, no, it's happening." You know, I'm still here. Yeah, I'll help you out. So they've been doing great. Um, one of the uh, projects that we were working on when I was with them is merging them with the company that I launched Angel Envy with.
1: Okay, gotcha. so
0: their Inky brands turned into Mahalo, and Ryan Forsyth and I. He was on the Mahalo side. He was my old boss at Angel's Envy, We had this idea of merging both companies so they can go nationwide. And they've signed. They're they're doing
1: it. So they're taking the gin and the bourbon nationwide. That's great, man. Yeah,
0: so right before I left, that was already happening. So
1: they're in good hands. Well you Business feel like oh, I, I did I did you know I did my part you guys in a better position than when I started, which is always I a hope nice yeah, thing, right? Yeah. And so good, it seems like the perf- perfect time creatively and professionally, so i want yeah. to try another challenge. And, it, and,
0: and, and anytime I move to a different company, it's for you know, for me and my family, it's a yeah. career Do you have any opportunity. Kids? No.
1: Okay. Pl- any plans on uh, a couple of years.
0: Yeah. Cool. It, well, every time we talk about it, I'm launching a new brand. <laughs> so which is that's another my kid. excuse. It's I'm like, Well kid. I tell my wife, I'm like, Well,
1: I'm launching another brand. You just so, adopted out one of the kids. I got another one. So. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, exactly. So it's like you're a new child. You have to launch a new brand, and, and it keeps me on the road a lot. So yeah. I was like, that'd be unfair to you. You know, if you're pregnant right. and I'm on the road a lot, I'm not going to be here. So I was like, let's wait a couple of years. Just get this brand up and going. You know, once it's a little bit smoother, I won't have to travel as much. I still yeah. be traveling, but I can manage it a little
1: bit more. Well, so when we talk about your transition into this new opportunity, we've learned a lot about Kimasabi already. Let's sip this, the Repo. It's Repo, right? Yeah. And let's sip this and let's talk about San Antonio, your experience and the boat and the agave, which yeah. is a cool thing. And then maybe what the future looks like for cool. you. And you said this one is at 41 and percent. Yeah. 83, so 83
0: proof. Uh, this is a reposado. And what we do different than a lot of other aged uh, agave spirits is we use brand new
1: barrels. So it's Whoa, the same wait, juice. Wait, wait. Amazing. Brand brandy from where? not uh, Independent state. But oh, like but US brandy or yeah. Spanish? Oh that's so Yeah, so
0: Independent Stave's the biggest cooperage in the States. Yeah we use that's the same barrels Buffalo Trace uses Woodford. Reserve Kings,
1: but, well now. they use used, but yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, that's uh, so
0: independent state, chart number three though. Okay. So the same juice that the same it's a Hoven, put in a barrel, and that's uh three to six months just
1: yeah. about. Man, I'm loving brandy so much right now. I'm very excited about this. So yeah. Everybody goes kind of, you know, normal whiskey or yeah. me. So all American or white
0: or. oak charred barrels from Independent Stave, chart number three. Uh four is usually what bourbon companies use. But we went with the three because it kind of gives it uh, more complexity, and it doesn't cover the flavors that we want uh, to taste. So, yeah. Um, color's good on it. Three to six months, yeah. Reposado. Um, totally different than the Hoven, almost night and day. The flavor profile is amazing. And you get a lot more of that vanilla, you know, yeah. from the char and the flavor. And, that and, and, fruit and, and, still
1: kind of comes through, though.
0: You no, know it does. What I mean? And you get a small spice on the back end. Yeah. But the, the fact that we use the new barrels is really interesting because opposed to using used barrels like the tequila industry, blue agave tastes different than mezcal, yeah, sure. So blue agave takes a different flavor from a used, either jack barrel or whatever they're using. And mezcal, you don't really want to cover, cover up a lot of the citrus and sweet smoky flavors. Mm-hmm. So when you use a new barrel, it complements each other. Because that char, smoky mm-hmm. flavor, you're kind of thinking the same thing. So with the reposado, I put this reposado in an old-fashioned up against any whiskey out there. Mm. it's really good stuff so you get a lot of that caramel vanilla whiskey notes from the barrel
1: man that's that's pretty good man i'm not a huge fan of you know aged mezcal but the brandy barrel that's an interesting well no
0: not a brandy barrel brand oh, new barrel.
1: brand new sorry i keep hearing that one. okay no
0: brand new barrel got it
1: all right so then that kind of explains a little bit yeah. more because it's got that real kind of crisp oakiness mm-hmm. so yeah i think that Highlights the floral elements of it. It's a little bit more punchy. Mm-hmm. And this being, was this your first San Antonio cocktail conference with the Mezcal? They were there last year. I was okay. with the company, but this okay. is
0: the first. This is actually the biggest conference I've ever put together for a brand. Um, being over the brand for the Southwest region, you know, it was kind of like, hey, get it out there, you know, and, and being in cocktail conference for the last six years, I've seen what works, what doesn't work, yeah. you know, and I took different angles and, and, and was a part of different events that it wasn't a part of. Last year. And last year, we did the Whiskey Bon Voyage. Daniel Barnes owned the name, and yeah. I asked him to borrow it to make it Agave Bon Voyage. Oh, nice. So we, we rolled into San Antonio Cocktail Conference with uh, the first party was um, a nightcap with kimosabe. Yeah. So we did that at last word. We had uh, Luis Manuelos, a flamenco Yeah, guitarist. that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was a really awesome party, and it was a nightcap. So you got there, you got a nightcap, and actually a beanie. With The logo, so you got a well, real cold na- enough, like yeah. a real nightcap. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was little, yeah, that was a little clever, clever. Yeah, so we had a really good time there. Great uh, turnout, a lot of industry bartenders, bar owners, stuff like that. Yeah. And then Thursday we did the whole theme of San Antonio Cocktail Conference for brands is they throw throwback parties like mm-hmm. Gin and Juice or one year I think William and Grant did the Wu Tang party. <laughs> yeah, dude, you have so to wear I jerseys come- and shit. Yeah, so I come in and I'm like, I'm going to do Cumbia Crunk. Oh so no. So <laughs> Cumbia Crunk's like this new kind of themed event where it's like old school hip-hop and selena oh, and that's not our vision you know but it's a theme party <laughs> that works in san antonio so, man. And, and, and that's what yeah. i want to do i want to bring some of the culture out in san antonio and at the same time do a throwback party that, that has that whole theme yeah so we had a donkey we had lucha girls we that's had the whole cool. thing and it was fun people liked it they respected it they knew that wasn't like our lifestyle or our vision but then you we were having fun with it right so that party was another amazing party so that's what I pulled from San Antonio cocktail in the past years is like, if you do your own party, mm. then people come to it and they only know about you. Yeah, do a tasting point. with like 30 other hundred other booths. You get eclipsed by those other Exactly. Brands, yeah. So, and we still did the tasting sweets, but it was something that we wanted to kind of pull away. And that was actually the Cumbia Krog was an official party of San Antonio Cocktail yeah. Conference. So we did the donation to the website so that we can, you know, put it on there and donate it to the charity and all that good stuff. But great turnout. It was awesome. People had fun with the whole Kumbi yeah. theme and, uh, and that was an awesome turnout. And then Friday, we were off, but we had to come. So no, Thursday, we had to come back to Austin to do a tasting for um, Whole Planet. And Whole Planet's uh, Whole Foods charity. Oh,
1: cool. So okay. we
0: had auctioned off this package for 15 people to do cocktails and hors d'oeuvres and a, and a tasting seminar. So yeah. we're like knee deep in San Antonio cocktail conference. And Nikki Petrie and I get in the car, come up here. Drop off Luis Manelos from the party the night before. <laughs> go set up this event, knock it out for two hours. Get back in the car, drive back to San Antonio, set up Coomer Crank. So it was a rough one. Friday we we're off, but we had all the seminars. We did the NOM seventy with yeah. the new laws for Mescal. Very very educational. We could talk more about that. How they're kind of breaking it into Mescal artisanal and like the ancestral histori- right. and an ancestral yeah. historical ways of making it. It's a, yeah,
1: um, that's a really interesting conversation. It, we did, it's kind of worthy of a panel because it's. It gets really, really deep into this. Yeah, and the I'm seminar messing. did. Yeah, you know, dude, and, and it got a little heated at some point Yeah, too. I liked it. We I did I went to the one with uh, Ivan Soldani, Ricardo Pico, and and uh, Sergio about Noms, just a general classification, to protections mm-hmm. and stuff. And we talked a lot about that. So, so it's good. You, you've got these this kind of nice duality that is like have a little fun, have some drinks, but also dive into the cerebral nature and intellectual nature of some of these topics. And this
0: ideas. Nom seventy just came out in the new in, in April, so there's yeah. a lot of people. That agree with it a lot of people don't agree with it but it does kind of break it down in certain aspects to where we are there's mezcal and mezcal can be produced with machinery or whatever and then there's artisanal and then right. there's you know the ancestral so we fall in between the mezcal and artisanal because there's right. certain traits that we use at artisanal you know we're not uh, ancestral because we're not using only our hands to make this there's a little bit of uh, machinery right. or not machinery we use stills and you know, in, uh, the, yeah, Copper yeah, but and, and,
1: the thing that we, again, like we could go on a tangent here. But I would just briefly say that do, does the end consumer really, on the whole, the people that are paying the bills, which are not you and I necessarily because we have this deep interest in agave, but that's different than Joe Public or, or you know what I mean? The people out there. So, is it important to them? I don't really know that they want to get into that level of minutiae. It's but probably 10% do. of people really care that's and exactly that's awesome. right that is totally it. it's like a pareto right yeah 20 80 10 night whatever 20 percent, 30 percent,
0: whatever it is you know right. it's, it's not, not it's not over 70 i'll tell you that right. uh and i like people that are more educated i think the consumer nowadays is more educated sure. on what they're drinking totally. Where does it come from is it on your website right i love all that we, yeah, we want to be up front especially when you're making texas bourbon everybody's looking up to make questions. sure you're doing it right you sure. know what i mean how many how many years what kind yeah. of you know grains or whatever so yeah no I, I i like that but not everybody is going to dig that
1: far right and so it's important to preserve again to preserve culture and in particular traditions styles of mezcal making but again for you and i to get the job done the kimosabi is going to bring more people into the category and then they it's will have the category and well, then yeah.
0: you kind of graduate to maybe some smokier stuff down the line totally. but what we wanted to be is your everyday mezcal so if you have an everyday bourbon that you have bourbon and water we wanted you to be we want us Savvy to be, you know, the the mezcal that you grab and make a paloma when you come home. Yeah, you know, and it's just easy, it's approachable. It's uh, the cost, uh, cost thirty six to thirty nine ninety nine for your right. oven. You know, um, it's very approachable as well. A lot sure. of mezcal start at forty five, go all the way up to
1: 120 Oh, it's yeah, it can be. So insane, understood,
0: and you know, the ancestral way of making it costs a little bit more money. All all right. Understood,
1: and I I think it all has its place. Yeah, I think there's cheap mezcal and there's expensive mezcal, exactly. and you should pay for those things that take more time to make and more nuance, handmade, all of that. So I got two more questions for yep. you. And one of them is, you posted about South By. I know you had a pretty good presence. Or I'm not sure if you have yet been there a year, but I know that Kimo had a pretty good presence at South By. Last well, the official mezcal of South By South by, That's South right. By. <laughs> so this year, what do, you, what do you have in store for South By that you oh, can man. talk about? So
0: after San Antonio Cocktail Conference, you're like, okay, cool. That went great. It was stressful. We got it going. Everything yeah. went perfect. We had no flaws. Agave Bon Voyage was one of the funnest seminars I've ever done. Uh, a lot of really good feedback on that, and that was kind of like a tasting to tour. We had some of your bigwigs in there, like right. Patron, and we had Del mcgay and we had Ellie Gal, and it wasn't going against anybody. It was just, ex- I guess, explaining to them what we were doing and how we're doing it, right. and having them taste, and you know, and that's like, great. Yeah, and it was more ed- educational. But we're tasting against some of the these biggest, the biggest guys in the world, yeah. and people are like, "Wow, you are like." Right in line, maybe even better. And that's not what we were going for. We are just trying to educate people, show them sure. the experience, and show them where we're coming from with the best or the most approachable mezcal on the market,
1: I yeah. think. Yeah,
0: sure. You know, um, So, no, it was a great uh, educational uh, seminar, and, and people enjoyed it. And a lot of people hadn't tasted some of these higher-end mezcals or tequilas yeah. that uh, Twin Liquors you know, graciously donated. And um, that was an awesome hour and a half uh, on the Riverwalk. I mean, what, amazing, what, yeah. what's better than that, having a cocktail? Uh, you know, on Fewer the little walk boat. Yeah, we <laughs> took many. it through the lock yeah. where you kind of float up into the different uh, sector of the river. It was a lot of
1: fun. Oh, that's so. cool. So South By is looking productive too. So yeah, right? I got
0: home um, and it's re- t- took like right a back day off it, right? yeah. to rest and then back up on it and we're South By. I've got probably six calls that I just missed right now. That's crazy. Uh, about 30 emails all about South By. So sure. The frenzy uh, has
1: begun. Yeah, so it's like,
0: cool, that's done. Let's do South By. And I've been working on South By since... Shoot, since I started in May. Yeah. We've been doing South by tours uh, with Kewasabi and, and, and South by Southwest EDU, where we're traveling all over the state. We did old, some stuff in LA, some stuff in New York, where they're educating people on the new uh, panels and new things that are coming to South by Southwest. Yeah. And anytime there's 150 to 200 people in a room, we're the bar. That's so incredible. we're educating people on Kimasabi and getting them cocktails. It's been really fun and people that are really intrigued and, and they want to know more. Yeah. The, the consumer that's going to South by is very educated. You know, um, and they, they go from, you know, 18 to, to 60, 70, 80. Yeah. You know, oh, but yeah. the thing is, they're all about art, and that's what we're about. You know, they're all about the music, and and I think it's a good partnership between Kimo uh, and the story behind us and the story behind South By and, and all that really good stuff, so it's a big family. But, yeah, uh, yeah a lot of stuff going on. Um, I Itinerary will probably come out in the next couple of weeks, but we'll have stuff all through from Interactive all the way through the end of South By, so Man. the 9th through the 19th. Killing look it. for Kima We'll be all over the place. Oh, if you don't sure. see me somewhere? Give me a holler. It's there. <laughs>
1: I'll look for that hat, that Indiana Jones-esque hat. Yeah, right. It's pretty good. It, it, it's a lovely hat. Really Thanks, is. man.
0: Yeah, for sure. It keeps my head warm. Yeah,
1: it's getting cold. So, last question I have for you, which I'm not sure how you'll take this, but let's say you're sipping the the Hoven, the Kima Hoven. Mm-hmm. It's a nice blend of 60/40 with some wild agave, added Zacatecas and Oaxaca and Durango. So, you're at any bar in the world, and you can have a mescal in a conversation with anybody, living or deceased, who would you love to just sit down and talk about life with?
0: Well, that's a that's pretty
1: deep. It's a couple people. First would be my dad. Yeah. Lost him at 14, you said. Yeah.
0: Um, first would be my dad just to talk about everything I've done. Yeah. Kind of this whole interview. Um, and just catch him up. Obviously, he's seen it, but just catch him up and just, hey, what would you think? How would you think I did there? Or yeah. what, what would I... What, You'd done different there, you know. Obviously, you you live and you fail, and then yeah. that's part of it. So, um, And the second person being more of the industry would be Lincoln Henderson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because he was, like, my first, like, real, I guess, idol in bourbon industry, and he kind of taught me everything about it and, and, and how to spin it and how to, like, sell and, and all that good stuff. Yeah. He'd be one to kind of, because he saw me from the beginning in the industry. He'd be, you know, somebody else I'd like to talk, talk Two
1: to. Two titans, man. Yeah. Two yeah. tons of industry. Yeah.
0: Two, well, two, 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 I guess two gods, right? They both made me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Man, that's a beautiful way. Yeah. yeah. Very poetic. Well, it's been brilliant to know that we have a lot more in common than I thought beyond St. Ed's and this Keeper Libre Days. I'm sure we ran into each other. Oh, for sure. In the early, early days of the cocktail scene in awesome, which is awesome. I'm yeah. glad to know that you're a dedicated husband, you're traveling, and you always keep your wife in mind. I think that's a lovely characteristic to have, especially in this industry. It's Thank inspiring. You. If and course. finally, glad to try the mezcal. Oh, for and, sure! Yeah. You know, thanks so much for sharing with me, and I can't wait to see what you're up to during South by. I'm sure if I just set my foot in there one day, I'll see you. Well, just
0: call me, you know, <laughs> and let me know where you're at, and I'll open the back door for you. See, you know, I'll get you beautiful. a pass. There's a lot of parties going on. We're bringing Phil Hellmuth. He's one of our investors. Yeah. Uh, Phil Hemeth, a uh, World Series uh, oh, poker cool. champion.
1: Oh no! Yeah,
0: okay. yeah. So he's coming in town. He's going to do a private poker game. You're the first one to know that. Wow. Um, we're going to get some talent behind it. People that, you know, see if Snoop Dogg wants to come play. Hell yeah, man. Uh, I think the charity, it's going to be a poker, uh, charity poker game. Uh, so he'll be in town doing that. Uh, I think the 11th through the 13th, n- nothing's official yet. He'll be doing some book signings. He just had a book come out. Yeah. Um, we'll be doing some of those at Twin Liquors uh, yeah. at Specs, doing a little tasting with a flamenco artist on the side. That's great. Um, so he's going to come in. And he's actually on one of the panels for South by Interactive wow. as well. So a lot of stuff going on. A lot of music. A lot of fun. A lot of you gonna heart. make it?
1: Excuse me. You are gonna make it? Oh god! have sleep. This is work. Yeah. I
0: mean, when you're when you're at this high of you know a sponsorship with with an event this big at this category or you know um, this level is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's work. You you work. You go home. Yeah. You know you can enjoy it, but if you enjoy it and then you're not gonna feel good the next day, so this is it's just work. Yeah. It's That's work. good, man. And then in the end, you know, towards the end, if, if there's a little bit of time to have fun. You know you're always having fun right yeah but if you treat it like like an eight to five you know you got to be there at eight o'clock and you can check out you know probably yeah. at 2 a.m for me but yeah dude you, know, you still gotta be there at eight the next you still morning still gotta be there at eight the next morning well so.
1: godspeed and all the efforts man I, I think you're gonna really kill it for south by and i look thanks, forward mike. to running into you and i know i know I well I oh yeah fucking it's gonna nut. be fun a lot of so fun. chat soon yeah yes sir thank you see ya yeah, thanks mike Well, there we have it. What do you guys think? Mr. Joseph Castillo, the VP of Sales Southwest Region, Kimosabe Mescal, the official Mescal of South by Southwest 2018. It's a radio spot thing, radio voice there. And Joseph's been through lots of different stuff. He has a very illustrious career in this hospitality industry, bringing Angel's Envy. You've got Fireball, you've got Kimosabe Mescal, some Trudy Oak products as well. And, you know, he's got plenty of other ideas in the pipeline, and I can't. Wait to see what he's up to next. A good guy, the consummate salesman, Mr. Joseph Castillo. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how much you're losing your voice or your nose is going to fall off your face due to certain allergies here in Austin, or if you're thinking, man, I wonder if they're going to make a sequel to Annihilation just like they wrote it, but maybe they won't film it, please keep dancing.